Good afternoon, glad tidings. So very good to see you all. Um, man, just watching that makes me want to like scream out. Um, so uh, Pastor Rennie and his family are on vacation. <clears throat> Sorry, um, this, this weekend, uh, he asked me to speak today. Um, just off the bat, I, I would just want to say there's nothing that quite thrills me as much as seeing the congregation of the saints, you know. Um, God molds us, he changes us, he transforms us um, through, you know, spiritual disciplines. You're praying and fasting and, and reading the Bible. Um, but there is, a, there is a power that is in meeting together. And he actually commands and says, do not neglect meeting together. Because it is in the congregation that we uh, get to fellowship, to encourage one another, to get uh, shaped and molded um, by each other. So uh, I am so grateful that I get to hang out with you guys uh, on, on Sunday. I know it's a little hot, but um, thank you for being here this morning. Um, so today I, I actually want to talk about, um, about Jesus, which <laughs> you would hope, right? Um, <laughs> but, but before we do that, let's just pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. It is an honor, it is a privilege that's unspeakable to be known by you, to be loved by you, to have you as our God. And we pray that you may be exalted. May the words that I speak be straight from you, King of glory. May you be lifted high. And may there be no other name that is exalted in this place, both today and every day. We love you. We need you. Holy Spirit, would you move in the hearts and minds of all of us, speaking to us, God, as, as, I, as I speak what I believe you have for us this morning, this afternoon. I just pray that you may go into our hearts, and I pray that you may impart in us the wisdom of the knowledge of your Son. Be exalted and be magnified in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I said, I want to talk about Jesus. Um, that I, I like to stay safe, so I can never miss if I stay with talking about Jesus. Uh, as, as, uh, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Tim. Um, I'm one of the uh, staff here and, um, as, and the music director. And in my role as, as music director, one of the things I get to do and I love doing it is uh, putting words in our mouths, putting words in your mouths. And... Um, my, I always aim to ensure that what we are singing is truth, that what we are singing lines up scripturally, uh, because we are, we are, this is a serious thing that we do here. Um, so one, one of the things I, I, every so often I'll do, I'll just look for songs and, and find songs that are just declaring who God is. Like, he does a lot for us, and, and he loves doing all of what he does for us, but there is so much part in just declaring who he is, regardless of how we walk in regardless of our, our state of affairs um, in, our, in our lives, just declaring who God is. And, and I believe, I firmly believe that when we look beyond ourselves and look to Jesus, everything else, we are consciously and subconsciously ordering everything else in our lives under him, under that name uh, that we worship. And we sing the name of Jesus. We sang the name of Jesus this morning. Uh, we worship the name of Jesus um, and if you've been in church long enough, that you're used to it. There is nothing to it. But if this is, say, your first time and, and, um, and this isn't familiar, you're welcome. And we're so happy to have you. 
you know, some of the things we do as church folk, um, if you really think about it, it's a little odd. You know, we sing about the name of Jesus. Like, we sing about a name. That's, I mean, think about it. That's kind of odd, you know, and, and we sing about the blood. I mean, see it from a person who has never heard the gospel and doesn't really have the framework that you have, you know, are you washed in the blood like that, like what, you know, um, and it gets better, you know, have you been washed by the soul-cleansing blood of the lamb, like what kind of people are these, um, but that was a side note, I actually, I'm not going to resolve that, just hang out with that, um, but we just sing and worship the name of Jesus, and today I just want to briefly touch on why. It's beautiful that we do and we should, but I think it's even more beautiful when we understand um, why we do what we do. And there's layers to, uh, to, to, to the name of Jesus and, and who Jesus is, and I don't imagine that I'll touch on every single one of them. But um, in any event, I just want to focus a little bit on, um, on a bit of who Jesus is and what the name of Jesus is. So uh, we've been going through the book of Luke, and Pastor Rennie, uh, two weeks ago, um, preached from Luke chapter 1, verse 26, which is where I, I want to read, 26 to 33. Uh, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You shall be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. In Matthew, he actually goes on to say, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save their, the people from their sins. Um, Pastor Andy talked about the name Jesus, and, and the Greek form of the name Jesus is Joshua, uh, which means the Lord saves. And... Um, Quick side note, like if you have a chance to read, read through the book of Joshua, it's, it's, it's especially with this in mind, knowing uh, that the name Joshua means the Lord saves, and then seeing the mission of Joshua. Uh, read through, you know, the whole book, and uh, there's a pattern. Josh, God commands Joshua to go in and clean house, you know. There's a lot of wickedness in the land, um, and, and he's supposed to go in and basically uh, clean house, and, and Joshua does so. And seeing what Joshua does... And, and seeing what God then does through Jesus, it's a beautiful parallel there. Um, but anyway, the name of Jesus means the Lord saves. So uh, first question is, uh, what's in a name? You know, uh, I'll quote Pastor Tony Evans. He says, a name in the Bible routinely carries with it the idea of power, responsibility, purpose, and authority. It carries the idea of power and responsibility and purpose and authority. A name not only expresses the essence and significance of what is being named, but also when duly authorized, accesses the quality it conveys. In college, um, for a summer, I, I, stayed in, I stayed on campus, and I got a chance to, one of my roommates, to room with the son of the president of the school. And uh, a few years prior to this, I had had a chance to, opportunity to have uh, lunch with the president because of some circumstances. Uh, basically, uh, me and my boss had lunch with him, and even while I was having lunch, I was like, I'm having lunch with the president of the school. Um, you know, and then now, years later, I, I had a chance to um, be roommates with his son, and it's, he, he, there was an air that he just carried with him, that because his last name was 
um, Danafaria, I, I, I believe uh, the name is, um, he walked with some sort of authority. He had access to places that I didn't have access to. I couldn't just walk in to the president's office and be like, hey, remember we had lunch a few years ago. Um, but he could. He, he has access because of the name that he carries. And um, so that, that, that's what I mean when I say the name carries the idea of power, purpose, and authority. Now, names in the Bible were equated to a person's character. You know, you find time and time again God giving people names after something significant happening. Um, and, and people also frequently name their children to signify or highlight something, um, something spiritual or something that you hope your child will become when they grow up. And so uh, some examples from the Bible, you have Adam, uh, the first man, his name means from the ground. Uh, Genesis 2.7 says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of the ground and breathed uh, into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Um, the Hebrew word for Adam is Adama, which means ground. And then you have Abram, uh, whose name means exalted father, and then later on um, means father of many when he is renamed by God to Abraham. You have Ishmael, his son, uh, which means God hears. Um, and then you have Jacob. Uh, in the Old these are all Old Testament uh, folks. Uh, Jacob means grabs the heel or deceiver. And if you know the story of Jacob, he really does uh, live up to that deceiver um, name. And then God renames him to, uh, renames him to Israel, which means, uh, rather Israel, after he struggles with God, which means struggles, struggled with God. Um, and this is all found in Genesis 32. And then you have Esau, the brother of Jacob, uh, which means hairy. So there's some spiritual meat for you. Um, then you have Simon Peter in the New Testament as one of the disciples. His name is Simon. And, and uh, basically Jesus comes and asks the disciples, you know, who do you say I am? Who do people say that I am? And they give all these answers, you know, Elijah, John the Baptist. And then he asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter ever the one who has an answer, gives the right answer this time. He says, you know, you are um, Jesus the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and, um, and, and Jesus says, you are right. And he says, and you are Peter. And he renames him uh, Peter, which means rock. And Peter goes on in the Bible to become a mighty pillar in the church and preaches, certainly preaches the greatest revival sermon ever recorded in history. Um, and then some people, again, parents name their kids uh, things based on something. Uh, in the Old Testament, the son of Jacob, Benjamin, his mother actually named him Benoni. Benoni means son of my trouble because um, he died, she died giving birth to him, and that was the last, basically the last breath. And Jacob renamed him to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Uh, you find Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their Babylonian names and so on and so forth. The list goes on and it's endless. Now, here's, uh, I googled this and I thought this was interesting. Here's a few names in our present times that parents tried to use, but the government said no. Uh, in France, someone tried to name their child Nutella, like the peanut butter, um, and the government said no, and now it's illegal. Uh, in Sweden, you cannot name your child LOL, or Ikea, or Batman, or Spinach. So if you, if you go to Sweden and you have a baby, sorry. Um, in New Zealand, you cannot name your child Q, the, like the letter Q. Superman, in 
Mexico, this is good, you cannot name your child James Bond. I know, why? You cannot name your child Terminator. You cannot name your child Christmas Day. Now, the fact that people actually tried to name them, this is astounding. This is, a, this is really good. You cannot name your child Facebook. You cannot name your child Rambo. And here's a kicker, you cannot name your child Burger King. So, um, when you go to the Bible, God has over 250, 270 names. See, the sheer vastness of who God is, the, the, the uh, magnitude of all that he encapsulates is so great that he needs all these names. And each and every single one of these names tells of a different facet or a different quality or a different character uh, trait that he has. Um, and, and some of them reflect on how he um, relates to us as his creation and his children. Uh, Pastor Tony Evans says this, the names of God are not merely words. Rather, a substance lies behind each word. Attached to each is a set of character qualities, promises, and meanings. Unless you fully know and understand these things, you run the risk of not accessing or utilizing them in the way God has designed. What Pastor Evans is saying, basically, is to know God, to know these names, is to know how to approach God. And um, so... Excuse me. In, in the Bibles that we read are obviously in English, but the, um, the original writing in the Old Testament was done in Hebrew, and in New Testament it was done in Greek. I, I don't read either, um, so there's that. But the text has been translated into English. Now, English generally translates any of these names that we're going to look at as Lord or God, because there's no, quote-unquote, English equivalent for them. And so, basically, when you read and you see Lord, it could be, or God, it could be any one of these so many names. And if you have a Bible that has footnotes, typically, it will highlight and tell you the name of God that is being used. And an understanding of that is good because it helps you know exactly um, what the person, the character, if it's someone that's praying uh, or, or talking to God, what they are trying to tell God or how they are trying to access God. Now, I wouldn't go through all of these 250 though I should. Um, I'm not going to test your patience. So I'll just focus on, on the two or three that are the background names, if you will. So the first name of God that we find, the very first name of God in the Bible is Elohim. Um, it's found in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God, is what we read, which is saying, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, the fact that this is the very first name that appears should tell us something. Now, the name Elohim um, means mighty or strong creator God. This is the very first name we are introduced to, and the fact that it is should matter. In essence, when you meet someone, you say, hi, I'm Tim, or hi, insert your name. This is essentially God to us saying, hi, I'm Elohim. Now, why is this important? From the very beginning, he wants us to know that he is transcendent. Now, transcendent is just, I think, a fancy word of really big, really awesome. Um, and he is superior to his creation. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, just, I, I want to just dwell on that really, really quickly. Beginning is uh, used to describe time. So, this is telling us, this is beautiful, that prior to the whatever it is that we call time, God existed. So this Elohim, this transcendent God, existed prior to time, prior to the beginning. He created time. 
And this is a kind of silly thing to say, but in order to create something, you must be there to do it. So he existed prior to it. He lies outside of it. He is not confined to a, a, a now or a past or a, or a future or a present. He just lies outside of this box. He is eternal. And then he created space. God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, space is a location, basically, the heavens and the earth. So uh, if you will picture this, this God, this spirit, this, um, this Elohim, mighty transcendent God, existing outside of anything that we can in our minds really comprehend, um, he creates heavens and the earth. But in our minds, we only can access like a, a, fin- a finite location. And then he created matter, which matter being the physical components of the universe, everything that is, you know, um, liquid, solid, gas. God existed outside of, of it to create it. And we cannot comprehend anything outside of time, beginning and end, space, heavens and the earth, and matter, everything that's physical in existence. So if you will, there, there, there's a box that, um, that in it contains time, space, and matter, and we can't really even begin to understand. And yet outside this box is this God who is not bound by anything. He is this transcendent, powerful God. And in essence, he is saying, this is me, this is my um, title, if you will, Elohim. Now, Hebrews 6.13 says, um, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than him to swear by, he swore by himself. It goes on to... uh, say much more, but basically um, when in the Old Testament and in the olden days when people made a pact, you would swear by someone uh, greater than yourself. And so you find in the Old Testament a lot uh, people saying, uh, be it done to me ever so severely, uh, and then they swear by God because he's greater. Now God is so intent on making this promise to Abraham, and so in the same vein, he wants to swear by But he doesn't have anyone greater than him to swear by, so he swears by himself. Um, And so Elohim is at the very top, if you will, with no one greater. And so just going back to our songs and what we sing, you know, we sing this song, Our God, and we sing Our God is greater and is stronger. And and I think, man, there is so much part to comprehending as much as we can anyway, this power that we are talking about, this God that we are talking about. But... What good is an all-powerful God if he just lives outside of this box where I exist? And so if I am in this box and he lies outside of it, that's really nice, but it doesn't do anything for me. Now, he is still holy, he is still majestic, he is still glorious, um, but he is, quote-unquote, no good to our existence if he lies outside of it. And uh, the prophet Jeremiah bridges this divide. He says in Jeremiah 23, Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? This passage is saying that this God who lies outside of everything he created is in it. This transcendent God is both transcendent and, here's another fancy word, imminent. He is both outside his creation and in it. Now, since he's here, there, and everywhere, um, he is both outside the box and inside the box. And the theological word that we use that you may be familiar with is omnipresent. It means he is everywhere, all the time, 
everywhere. Um, in fact, in this name, we have Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, we find the name El in, in various other names of God uh, or various other names of places. We have it in El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. El Roy, which means God sees me. El Elyon, which means the Most High God. Hallelujah, which means to celebrate God. Bethel, the house of God. And as we looked at Emmanuel, God with us. Um, so in all these words, we have this character trait of God. Now, if we could grasp, I could literally stop the sermon right here. Um, because if we can grasp that this God, this God that we worship is outside of us, and yet he is inside with us, we have the answer. We have the key to really our lives. Um, we have the key to our lives. We know that in every trial, we have answered our own question that God is with us. Now, that doesn't mean that that's how it works and, and that we'll always understand, but there really is a lot of God that we cannot understand. For example, Elohim is actually a plural of the name El or Eloah, and El is a singular, and Elohim is a plural. When God introduces us to himself, he introduces himself as the plural. This is going to be a bit of a mind trip, but... It's speaking of a singular entity that at the same time exists as a plural. Now, we know that the plural is God the, Son, um, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, but it is one plural word that constructs three in it. I'm not even going to try to explain how that works because I don't think it's possible to do that. Um, we, we know that, that this triune God, this God, the Trinity, is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And yet when it's used, he's referred to as God created, Elohim. This three in one did everything. I'll just stop there. Um, if God really fit in a box, he wouldn't be God. And um, just something that's good about this name is that it, it gives us a very important fact that I don't think we really... Um, dwell on or think about that God is for God. We know that God is for us. We sing about God is for us, but God at the top is for God. The, the, when God does what he does for you, for me, he is doing it, yes, for us, but for his namesake. We know Psalm 23, it says, um, he leads me beside still waters for his namesake. God is for God. You, my friend, and me, we are not at the top of the chain. The glory of God is his design, is his pursuit. And so what he does is beautiful, and he relates with us. He is Emmanuel, but at the core of everything he does, he is for himself. Um, because we see him prior to creation. He is complete. I don't actually add anything to God. You don't add anything to God. You don't make God any more God, if you will. You don't make God any more holy or any more powerful or any more glorious, you are a, 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 a piece of the puzzle, as it were, in, in his creation. An important piece, no less, but a piece of the puzzle, and he existed prior to it. Now, if God didn't um, create creation, if God didn't create us, would he still be God? Obviously, the answer is a yes there. Um, I want to look at the next name. It's another foundational name that we are familiar with, the name Jehovah. Now, it's a name, obviously, that we're really familiar with, and uh, here's a, a, a note. In our English Bibles, the name Jehovah is usually written out as Lord in all caps. So when you're reading the Bible and you see Lord in all capital letters, 
the name that is being used is Jehovah. Um, and so earlier, earlier in, in Genesis, God makes this covenant with Abraham when he actually changes his name. And Moses, sorry, and um, he comes to Abraham and he tells him he'll be the father of a great uh, nation. Uh, he then continues to tell him that your descendants, this great nation, will go to um, a, a nation that is foreign and they will be slaves for 400 years and then I will come and rescue them. And later on, he comes to Moses at the burning bush, a story that I believe if you've been in church, you're familiar with. And Moses has this conversation, of, a conversation with, with God. Basically, the conversation with Moses is happening at the end of the 400 years. Um, and so Moses is this character in the Old Testament that God wants to use to deliver the Israelites from slavery. So Moses, when, he, when we meet him, has what I think we'd call a low self-esteem. That's fair to say. You know, God tells him, I'm sending you to Egypt. And Moses answers, he says, who am I? You know, and then God says, I am with you. Um, and then he continues to say, give God so many reasons of why he shouldn't <laughs> use him. And, uh, and then Moses asks a question in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Give me a second to turn there. He says, um, suppose I go, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you because God has said, I will be with you. Um, Suppose I go and I, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Which is a fair question, I think. What shall I tell them? You know, that's, this question really shouldn't strike us as odd. Now, the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. Now, what happens if you've been in a nation for 400 years? Your culture is eroded. You no longer have, you take on the culture of the people that you're, um, that you're, subjected to. If, you li if I lived in America for the rest of my life, there are patterns that I, I adopt that are American, if you will. If you live in any place for any extended amount of time, you become like the people. Um, now, the Egyptians had a god for everything. So some examples, they had Ra, who was the god of the sun, and god with a small g, obviously. They had Happy, uh, god of the Nile. They had Heket, the goddess of fertility, and whose head was a frog. And we might have some pictures. Um, and Pharaoh himself was actually worshipped as, as a god because they believed that he was a son of Ra, the sun god. Now, matter of fact, this is interesting, uh, the ten plagues that happen after, you know, Moses goes in and Aaron, uh, each and every single one of those ten plagues, God is going up against one of the gods of the Egyptians. And so, for example, when the plague of darkness is God uh, going up against this false god that is Ra, uh, the sun god. And, and when you have um, the, the Nile turn into blood, he's debunking that the god Happy is, is not a god at all. And, and when the frogs come out of the Nile and they are everywhere, he's uh, going up against this false god of, of um, Heket, the god of fertility. And so, um, when, he, uh, when Moses asks this question, it's a fair question. And so God is actually obligated to uh, answer it. And God says to Moses in verse 14, I am who I am. How's that? that like, who are you? I am who I am. Um, so he, he continues to say, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am 
has sent me to you. And this I am who I am is where we get um, Jehovah, which actually going back is where we get um, uh, um, Elo Elohim becomes uh, Jehovah because it's a personal name. So this I am who I am is also translated as I be what I be, I will be what I will be. That's, that's like a mic drop moment, really. Like, who are you? I am who I am. Um, so how does this God... Moses asks him, what's your name? How does God, who lies outside of everything, this transcendent, powerful God, really describe himself or summarize himself? He can only summarize himself as I am who I am, I be who I be. Um, and what's the significance of this name? This is God's personal name. See, while Elohim is a strong and mighty creator, Outside and inside his creation, Jehovah is his personal name. So if you will, uh, uh, the president, uh, say, say the president that I was talking about, the president of, of Bridgewater State, you know, he's president someone, Malafaria. But Malafaria is his personal name. President is his title. Elohim, if you will, is like the title of who God is, and Jehovah is his personal name. Um, this name is really special. And we, we find that God revealed himself as he says that I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, as El Shaddai. But now to Moses, uh, he is and the Israelites, he's revealing himself as himself. He's giving them his name. Now, this name is special. This name is actually made up of only consonants. Y-H-W-H. -H. I feel like I'm giving a lecture. Um, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey is, a, is how it's really in quotes pronounced. Now it's a name that was considered and still is considered so sacred that when the translators were, or when they were reading uh, the Bible, when you got to it, when you were reading out loud, you would not read it out loud. It was a really revered name. You could not uh, pronounce this name. Isaiah 42 verse 8, this is God speaking, says, I am Jehovah, that is my name. Um, so Jehovah is the Greek, um, the Latin, sorry, for Yahweh, basically. And so this is a special name. This is an amazing name. It is a name that's set apart from all the other names that we've, we'd look at, the Elohim. It is a name that is special. That's why when Jesus later on tells the Pharisees, um, before Abraham was, I am, that's why they get so wound up. He is in a moment as a man declaring, I am God. That doesn't sit well with him. In fairness, that's actually a crime worth getting stoned for. And they wanted to stone him for it. Um, and so when we receive Jesus, we are receiving this uh, name along with him. And we'll get there in a second. Uh, this is an intimate... God giving this name to his people, giving it to us, is essentially uh, giving us his self revelation of who he is. It is God letting us in. See, Elohim, he says, I, I, I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as, as God Almighty, as El Shaddai, uh, but this God that's outside yet, inside, but not really personal. But then he says, I am revealing myself to you as your God, as he is inviting them in. This is, as, in essence, him saying, come to the table. It is God's invitation to the Israelites, to us, to come and to know him. Now, I, you and I only allow certain people to get to really know us, you know, family, friends, and, and a close circle. Um, but 
God is essentially saying, come, you can get to know me. And then throughout the scriptures, this name is continuously revealed. He is Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. He is Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord my holiness. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. He is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Jehovah Saba or El Sabaoth, the Lord my warrior. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. Basically this, if you get nothing else, I want you to get this. For any problem you have, Jesus, God has a name for it. When you're sick, you go to him as Jehovah Rapha. When, when you're in need, you go to him as Jehovah Jireh. When you need leadership and guidance, you go to him as uh, Jehovah Rohi. When, you are, um, when you, 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 are, you are feeling like you are not deserving of his, the mercy and grace of God, you go to him as Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord my righteousness, the Lord my holiness. When you have a problem, God has a name for it. We can pray with boldness. I think what this does is you can pray with boldness when you know God. You can pray with boldness when you know God. See, the circles I was talking about, we all have them in our lives. Um, for example, I, I take the train to work every morning. My train conductor doesn't know my name. He doesn't care. To him, I am a T-pass. Um, and then my boss knows my name. He doesn't really know me uh, or really well. My coworkers maybe know me a little bit better, obviously, certainly better than the train conductor. Uh, my friends know me better than all of who I've mentioned. And then my family knows me better than my friends. And it, the circle, basically the circle keeps getting smaller until you, you have my wife who knows me better than all my friends. And then at the very center is Yahweh. He knows me better than anyone, and he's saying, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. And I'll finish off with my favorite name of all, Adam, Jesus. Um, like, just the name itself, forgetting all the attributes of it, just the name itself. Man, is there a more beautiful name than Jesus? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those walking in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It goes on, um, verse 6, to say, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, again, naming, he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The name of Jesus has in it all the names that we've looked at. It is, if you may, the, the box that contains all those other names. The Bible says that God has elevated the name of Jesus. It encapsulates every single one of those names. He is the second person of the Godhead. He is Elohim. John says, in the beginning was the Word, in the, the, him talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He is the personal, self-revealing God. He is Jehovah. See, the name of Jesus takes in all these names that we've looked at. So even if you don't know all these other names, you have the name that is above every name, you know the name that is important to know. You have the name of Jesus. You have the name of Jesus. 
Now, while all this is true, Jesus has a quality that's distinct from, from God the Father. While God the Father is Elohim, and he is the mighty creator who is in his creation and with us, he is Jehovah, the self-revealing God. There is something that God is not. God is not. God the Father is not a man. And so Jesus has this quality that really makes him like us. He became a man. Philippians chapter 2, 5 and 8 says this. Uh, verse 6, I'll start at verse 6. Jesus, who being in his very nature God, or having the form of God, did not e uh, consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus became what God the Father was, and he became a man for us. He died as a man does, and in dying, he resurrected, and he went ahead of us into heaven to make a way for us. Hebrews 4.14 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. What does this mean? It means Jesus made a way. It means we can approach, as verse 16 says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Men, this should blow your mind. This should blow our minds. We have God himself. Jesus isn't like a lesser God, like, yeah, he's God, but, you know, he's kind of smaller. No, he is God. He is all that God is. And yet for you, for me, he became a man to give us access to the Father. This is a beautiful, beautiful truth. After he made this way for us through the cross and shed his blood for our salvation, he punched our ticket, and all we need to do is take it. And God, if, and Jesus, if you will, stands as, as the watchman. And God says, there is no other way to me but through Jesus. And the world will say, there is very, many religions will say, there is many ways to the Father. No, there is not. There is only the way that is Jesus. Continue with Philippians. It says, therefore God... Take it from verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth that covers everything. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Salvation is found in no one else, Acts says, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we can be saved. There is no other name but Jesus. There is no other name but Jesus. So what does that mean for us? And we've talked about it, but it means if you do not know Jesus. Here's, here's a harsh reality. The only eternity... There is, all, there is two eternities. There is an eternity where you live with God forever or an eternity that you live without God forever. And if you do not know Jesus, that means you're on the, um, on the, on the path towards hell where you will exist without God, without, uh, without this triune God. This hell was never meant for us. We have, we have been, we've already been given the ticket to life. And along with, the Bible says that he gives us Jesus, God gives us Jesus, and along with him gives us everything else. So if you repent your sins, if you confess Jesus, 
and you believe in his name, then you shall be saved, and there is no other way. Listen, if you do not know Jesus, there is no other way, and if you do not know Jesus, there is no way you are being, living with God for eternity. Our life is like this. We do not know what happens once we step out those doors. Truth, we do not even know what happens now. And so if, you've, if you're living outside of this line, yes, you know Jesus, but you, you know there is time, I'll, I'll receive him. You do not know for a fact what will happen. You need to receive Jesus. And the, the amazing thing about Jesus is when he calls us to him, he is not calling us to, to uh, and telling us to put an end to things that cause, bring life. Paul says, what value did you get from the things that you lived in that caused death in the first place? His do's and do nots are for life. Therefore, uh, us to be truly alive and to have everything that we need. And what do we, does this mean for us if we know Jesus? It means we have been given access to the Father. We have been given access to all that's in that name. We have been given access that when I go in, I go in boldly. Now, I go in humbly because I'm undeserving, but I go in boldly. God says, come, come. I go in boldly. So if you know Jesus, dig into the word, get to know him. I like to put it as no in all caps. Know him deeply, get to learn the characteristics, the facets of this triune God. You know, the third person of the Trinity is God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when we receive Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. You already are living your eternal life now if you've received Jesus. And now what's left from here on until our death and, and resurrection is we walk in Jesus and we walk with him and we get to know him deeper. The Lord's Prayer starts with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The name of Jesus is to be hallowed, to be revered, to be respected, to be honored, to be feared. The name of Jesus gives us access to everything. There is no other name. So when we sing, we usually sing and we say, what a beautiful name, what a wonderful name, what a powerful name, what a glorious name, what a magnificent name. This name goes beyond anything that we will ever even begin to comprehend, yet it has been given to you, it has been given to me. It is our name for us to access God the Father. And what happens when you accept this name is you live freely, there is nothing that can bind you. A few years ago, actually on the, on the day I proposed to my then girlfriend, now wife, to, um, to, to be uh, my wife on the day I was set to propose, it was a Friday, I remember it, uh, and I was driving down from, from Broughton where I lived, and uh, I was at a stop sign uh, in, in Randolph, and this stop sign was at a, at a slope, as it were, and uh, there was a car in front of me. And basically this car backed up into me, you know how the, in a hill your car will back up a little bit? I guess I was a bit too close. But he backed up and he hit my bumper. Um, but he didn't notice and so he left. And I basically followed him. <laughs> I chased him down Route 28. Finally caught up with him and I said, hey, you, uh, you know, he was at the bank. Uh, he drove up to the, <laughs> to the window and I actually left my car. I went up to the window and I knocked and I was like, hey, you actually, uh, you backed up into me. And he came out and he looked at his car. Um, it didn't have much of a mark, but mine my entire bumper was shattered. It looked like my car exploded. Um, and he said, no, I didn't. And I said, no, you, you did. We were at the stop sign back there on, on Route 28, and, and you backed up before you took the left, and you hit me. And he, he said, I did not. And 
but we exchanged insurance inform like information regardless, and he left. Now, that day was really busy because I was going to ask a woman to marry me. And so I didn't call, I didn't call my insurance. I basically just uh, went on with my activities, and I was going to call them on Monday. So um, she said yes, by the way, spoiler. Um, and on Monday, I called, them, I called my insurance, and, uh, and they said, hey, uh, I told them what happened. They were like, um, just so you know, the person, the driver that you were involved in the accident with, they actually already called, and they said that you ran into them. They had already called, good for them, they had already called and said, hey, this person actually ran into me. Uh, and I said, I, that's not what happened. See, I had no evidence though. Like, I had nothing to show. His car barely had a mark on it. My car was shattered. For all intents and purposes, there really wasn't anything to do here. And he said, like, it's, it's your word against his, so I, I don't know what to tell you. And so I went to the Lord in prayer. And I have approached God in, in, in many ways based on, say, all of those names that he has. But this time I said, God, I'm coming to you as a judge. I have no evidence of that he hit me and my insurance was going to spike and it was high enough to begin with. And I said, Lord, I need you to step in as a judge. And you are all that you say you are, but you weigh the scales between this other guy and me and you do what is just. And though there was no evidence, I'll give you a spoiler, um, they ruled in my favor. And I believe in truth it's because God stepped in. Obviously, it's because God stepped in. But God is who you need him to be, when you need him to be, for what you need him to be. That is our God. That is our Jesus. When you have Jesus, you have everything. When you have Jesus, there is nothing that can stand against you. When you have Jesus, you have access to everything in life. If you may stand with me as we close. I'll close with Philippians chapter 1, um, sorry, Ephesians chapter uh, 6, the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, this, of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, note it's not if, it's when the day of evil comes, comes you will be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Having Jesus, having that name gives you access to his power. Having that name will help you to stand strong and to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Shall we pray? King of glory, we, we once again come before you. We thank you, O oh God,
For even though you are beyond anything that we can imagine, you, tr you are transcendent, you are strong and mighty, you are the creator, you lie outside the boundaries that we live in. Though you are that God, yet you are Jehovah, you are our God, you, you call us into relationship. And what's more, you call us to yourself by giving us Jesus. Many a times we take this for granted, we do not think much of it. We pray, O oh God, that you may by the power of your Holy Spirit open our eyes, open our spiritual eyes to know the power that we wield. The battles we fight on a day-to-day, -day, though they may take a physical nature sometimes, at the root of them they are spiritual battles. We wage war against spirits and principalities. We wage war against dark forces of evil in the spiritual realms. And we will not be able to stand against them if we do not stand in you. We cannot fight the battles in our lives in any other way but in the spiritual realm. And you've given us the weapon and the weapons that stand in the spiritual realm. You've given us Jesus. So I pray that you may help us to be bold. You've called us to be warriors. We pray that you may help us to stand we pray that you may help us to uh, tear down the things that, sta that, that stand in our lives that are not of you. Give us, if you will, the, the power to see that we already have everything that we need for life and godliness because we have Jesus. Help us to walk in boldness. Help us to walk in holiness and in righteousness knowing that you are God. You are our champion. You are everything that we will ever need because you are our King Jesus. Help us to walk in this truth because in it, if we grasp it, nothing will be able to stand against us. As you said to Joshua, there will be no one that will be able to stand against you for all your life. I believe that in giving us Jesus who saves, you are telling us that nothing will, be ever, will ever be able to stand against you all your life. But we need to hold firm. So therefore help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Who endured the cross. Who scorned its shame. And who today sits at your right hand, O oh God. Making supplication for us. That we can walk in boldly knowing that you are our God. We love you. We need you. And only in your power can we stand. And only by your spirit can we know that we have the power. So would you help us? In your most precious name we pray, believing and trusting. Amen. Amen. Amen.